Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am your host, Gerald Hernandez. This episode is brought to you by Aeromotive Fuel Systems. Aeromotive is the leading manufacturer of aftermarket high-performance fuel systems. The company's products are the fuel system components of choice for Formula Drift drivers Matt Field and Dai Yoshihara. Aeromotive's fuel systems customization shop is fully equipped to help you get your project car up and running. With fuel systems capable of supporting more than 3,000 horsepower, there's sure to be a solution for you. Visit aeromotiveinc.com and use code PROAM to get 10% off your entire order. Oh, and I finally got around uh, to getting my fuel system installed and all squared away and all that fun stuff. Um, they actually provided me with everything I needed. There were two 90-degree female-ended connectors that I had to get because we didn't really plan for those. But the system is fully in and it kicks ass. Um, I have the A1000 brushless with the the variable speed controller on it and I actually control the speed through my pedal input since I'm drive-by-wire. It works flawlessly. I was a little concerned because in the directions it says that it's got to be a 0 to 5 volts um, reference and the only reference I could find was like from a 1 volt to 4.5 and it ended up actually working out perfectly. Uh, it's actually great because when I'm sitting like in a staging area or just, you know, getting in line and stuff like that, I can just leave the car running without, you know, overworking the fuel pump or getting the fuel pump too hot or anything like that. You know, where it's, I think my previous setup, like that fuel pump was full blast the whole time. Um, not that that, you know, fuel gets hot too often, but it's something, it's one less thing to worry about. Um, anyways, this week's guest is, uh, Sean Hardham of the Spec D Pro-Am series, Canada's only Pro-Am series. Um, Sean's on to talk about the 2021 drifting season, uh, his personal program and his Spec D plans for the series. And just an update before this episode begins, I recorded this with Sean in late March and never got around to releasing it. Sorry about that. Um, but a few things have changed to their schedule and they'll be doing a shootout instead. Uh, the shootout is actually this weekend, July 9th through 11th in Mission, BC. Uh, three pro spec license, 3000 in cash prizes, double elimination bracket capped at 32 drivers. Anyways, thank you guys for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of Drifting Pro-Am. But what's up, man? How you been? It's been a minute. Well... Um, it's been forever. It's been over a year since I was able to travel down to the States. Oh, that's right. So, you guys are uh, locked up over there. You guys cannot leave. We can't. We don't get the vaccine up here quite as quickly as you guys do in uh, the U.S., apparently. So yes, our borders yeah. are still shut. Oh, can wow. only travel or commercial or essential, I guess. So race cars apparently aren't essential. They don't see the need for me to go down and uh, play with my race cars or my u.s friends so there we are that you know we're kind of being dicks about it recently but what can you do um yeah if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself though sir who you are what you do all right sure i'm sean hardham i run the spec d drift series in canada which is a pro 2 licensing series for formula drift and also drift uh mazda rx7 and sell some tires here and there that's what i do 
And then, uh, so I guess uh, last time you were on, I made a comment about you competing in the Spec B Drift Series as well as being the organizer <laughs> of said Drift Series. And I was wrong. So, well, kind of, kind <laughs> of. I guess when we first uh, took over Spec D, we were. Yeah. I wasn't made. I was had a partner in it, so I was competing still. Mm-hmm. And then as car counts were lower, I usually would drive, and I just uh, you know miss one or two rounds. I was yeah. never really in the points to ever win a championship or anything like that. But you know, I used to like to run the practices and uh, drive with the guys when they're doing the practice sessions before uh-huh. the competition. So oh, okay. that was usually pretty good. Um, Explains the yeah, and then, yeah. Oh, last year we, yeah. we were, uh, I was judging the series with a couple other guys that used to compete as well. So I felt that was just a better, better spot for me was, was judging, spending time in the tower and really maybe fine tuning how, how we were running the competitions and I think it was beneficial for the drivers. We got a lot of good feedback that uh, just explaining the tracks in a different way, maybe mm-hmm. from a driver perspective, you know, a guy who drives regularly in the States and all the different competitions I've been to. So I think that helped out a lot just in the series itself. And then um, last year, how many events did you guys end up having to cancel? Uh, we actually ended up canceling one event. So we had a four round championship and we canceled one. So we just did a double header at one of our rounds oh, Okay, and it worked out good. I mean, all things considered when we started the season in May, it was kind of like, you know, you couldn't have 10 people together and some of those restrictions got relaxed and, you know, you just had to be really cautious on what you're doing. It wasn't so much the competitors that people were concerned about, because, I mean, if you think about drifting or any type of racing, it's pretty much, uh, you know, your social distance. You're in the car by yourself, helmet on. Yeah, you're kind of only a, around, like, your crew. Right. And, you know, we kind of trusted that the crews were in their own cohort, I guess. And, you know, all the events that we ran, I don't think we had any contract tracing that came back to to any of the things that we were doing or any of the tracks that we were even at didn't have any uh, incidences or positive cases yeah. that came up from any race events. So, you know, we're optimistic for this year. Obviously, That's you know, we have uh, four, four you, rounds. Of this year? Yeah. You guys are doing four rounds? Three. Yeah, yep. we're doing four rounds. Give me one second. My dog is about to lose his shit. I got to open the door. Right. Give me one second. <laughs> Sorry, I can hear him crying inside. The husky, yeah, so he makes that husky crying noise. <laughs> I, mean, I know he's fucking something up in my house right now. Feels right. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so you guys are going to do no. a four-round season this year. Um, are you guys still yep. doing your other events that you guys normally do? Yeah, so we have uh, 20 other uh, practice days, open drift days, whatever you want to call them. And then we have uh, one major event that we run at the end of the year. It's a two-day all-out bash on a track that I would say is probably similar in size to, like, Horse Sleep Mile. But it's on the flat, so you don't have a huge elevation. But that's probably the most similar track that I can compare it to that I've been to. It's it's definitely a lot bigger than, like, um, 
Apple Valley, but it's sort of that same, you know, it was built as a go-kart track, but you know, it's 2.1 kilometers long. So mile and a bit, and it works out uh, really well. So that's another track that we added to our schedule and we just uh, really been, been enjoying that. So there's lots of drift in here. That's for sure. Four, four rounds. Uh, and we usually, and one of our rounds that we have a travel away to another uh, province and we do a fun day there as well. So where, where are most of your, um, events held at? Uh, right around in Alberta. So we're, you know, um, around the Edmonton area of Alberta, we do, uh, three, three events, you know, within an hour of that. And then one event we go, it's about eight hours away and that's in BC going more towards West coast. And, uh, it's a great little track. They, they really like drifting there. And, you know, our first year there was last year. So, I mean, we went kind of in the worst time with all this COVID stuff going on. Mm. So we weren't able to have spectators there, but the track put together live streaming. And I think we hit 25,000 views on our, on our event. So we're stoked on that. Lots of, lots of, uh, want for it. Definitely in BC. Yeah, I was always wondering where you guys held your events. I think we spoke about it a little bit last time, but I didn't like look yeah. at a map. I don't know. Yeah, so we have like, there's, there's one main Alberta track, you know, know in our city, uh-huh. and we do uh, we do all of our Thursday night open drift practices there. And What's that uh, track called? Castro Raceway, uh, and that's sure just you know. outside of Edmonton. So they got a road course, skid pad, you know. Their primary focus is probably drag racing, I guess. But, you know, they have a really nice uh, road course there. So we hold one of our competition rounds there. And then... Uh, oh, I see it. Which one? There, I see a big one, and I see like a... Well, not a, a go-kart track size thing. Oh, so the, um, the go-kart track is probably the motorcycle track. So the big... Oh, uh, okay. the, the big one there that you see is, is the road course. So... Oh. I didn't see that. It's we interesting. Can, what turns it is really good. Yeah. yeah, we got, you know, you're doing entry speeds of about 70 miles an hour, I guess. Works right. out fairly well. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's the key is that's a run of our high speed tracks and, uh, really pushes the drivers to, to go all out. You yeah, know, no. it was tough. Like last year was, was really tough. We saw, I don't even know how many series, got through a full round or a full season or even the some uh, shootouts were even canceled in the States. I saw. Yeah. Actually the one I was supposed to be at the Vegas drift one. Um, yeah, they rescheduled to, I think May 1st, 1st and 2nd. Yeah. I, I asked to back out of it. Maybe not for me completely, but I can't go, I can't make it to that one. Like my cars are going oh. past tech now and I'm actually going to go oh. get it tuned that day. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's been scheduled for a while, but it's expensive to tune your car at West Tech Performance, in case you were wondering. <laughs> I, I have my guy in... Uh, I, was, in uh, I was about to have him do it, but I am I know he he does LS stuff, too. He just hasn't... Yeah, I know Daniel, he's... Uh, I don't know, man. He's like a genius for that kind of stuff. He just... He can, he can get anything going. I mean, he saved me so many times uh, just competing down there. So, you know, he's... Uh, Whatever he wants to do, he's always got my business. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, no, have you? So 
yeah, I'm supposed to go down to the one in uh, May as well. But obviously with our borders closed, Daniel's going to take my spot and oh, okay. he's going to compete. Nice. So, I mean, he's got his car ready anyway, another RX-7, so it, it'll work out well. It'll represent the... It, uh, it's the same guys. car, right? Uh, different car. No, no, different car from yours. I'm just saying, he, he didn't get a new yeah, car, did he? Same. Yeah, yeah, same thing. No, no, he has the FD RX-7. He ran, um, I think he did Just Trip last year as well. He did their shootout. Yeah, I remember I saw him there. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, so I don't think I'll be making that one. I, I wouldn't mind trying to hit up, uh, you know, something else, just some other competition. I miss driving down there. A lot of a lot of great friends that we made in the last couple of years that we've been competing down there. So it's, uh, I don't know, we miss it. Once you can't go, it's uh, <laughs> worse. <laughs> it depends if I can. I want to go, but I don't want to go in the car. I've only driven twice. Yeah. So it just doesn't sound like a good idea. This year was supposed to be all about seat time, or last year was, but it took me a year to finish the car. So well, well, things got prolonged and moved over. Sounds like an excuse. You can get on it. Let's get out there, get it done. Maybe. You got oh, summer no, no. year round. No, no. Like, I mean, we're still coming out of winter here. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Well, money too is also the problem. So. Definitely. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. Um, so. With your guys' is, uh, series, you guys still help your drivers do like get into cages? Cage cars and stuff like that, right? Because I know you guys kind of like have a semi-street legal series or something like that. Yeah, so we do. We do like our, our regular pro series, which is the four competition rounds, and that's kind of the, you know, the main pinnacle that everyone wants to be at. Um, but then we also do we call it just bro am, and it's open to pretty much any classic car. You just can't be competing in our pro series, so that's open to, you know anybody you don't need a cage you know you need to have your battery strapped down your helmet you know your car in good working order and that's probably you know the most the most fun that uh that we have is doing that because it's such a friendly competition that the guys have Mm -hmm. and we'll get uh you know 20 to 30 cars that are competing you know, and we try to do it like last year we just did a shootout style. So we just did one event just because I guess we're blaming everything on COVID when things don't go the way we want. <laughs> but this this year we're going to do, you know, a couple, maybe do three rounds and we run those on Thursday nights or some of the Saturday open drifts that we have planned. So we'll use that to, you know, just a fun, friendly competition. I think even last year we did a couple where we, uh, change it up when we did the like Jim Canna grid and that was really fun so we have a huge skid pad out at Castro Raceway and we just set up basically you know two mirrored courses and sent drivers out to do that and uh, you know try to just make it make it fun and you know you see guys that really uh, you know excel there maybe they haven't thought about competing and then you know they they just get the the bug and they want to try to drive in the pro series. So if that's the case, we usually help. Um, we used to be helping the guys out with sponsoring part of their cages. Mm-hmm. And that was successful to the extent. I think I only have, 
uh, one driver still in that deal out of probably the 10 that we built. So it wasn't quite the, the ideal plan for us, but you know, at the end of the day, doing cages and stuff like that, isn't that expensive. And I don't know if you've been watching anything from Rob Parsons. You've seen, you've seen him. The cage kits. Amazing quality, right? I know it's ridiculous. He's, uh, he just changed the game for everybody. He really did. You know, Especially considering the cost. And the fitment of the cage. Yep. You know, like we have great so much for so little. Yeah. Yeah, we've got great fabricators here that'll weld it all together for you. But, I mean, it takes all the guesswork out. The thing is, like, CNC, laser cut, laser etched, everything. Yeah. And, nice. uh, you know, well, here, I'll give you the, you know, Rob used to compete up here in, uh, in this series that before it was called Spec B. Oh, okay. So, oh, long nice time ago. Yeah. I forget about that. You know, so every time we see anything that he's doing, you know, we're we're so proud that uh, he's able to showcase his talent because he's always been like just like just a genius. And now, like to see this cage kids thing just take off is is amazing. So yeah, because I see him like with different ideas throughout the years, but this one seems to finally oh, be the one that's taken off. Yeah. So I mean, that's the main thing. I think. I think guys now, people competing, probably see the benefit of having that cage, you know, especially fire systems. I think that's probably the most important thing, even, even, uh, you know, just taking it seriously, the safety aspect of it, you know, more and more of the speed you're getting up there. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I think watching F1 last year, we saw how scary fire is. You know, when uh, when you see cars engulfed in flames and you look at the safety equipment, the guy walks out and he's, you know, he's fine pretty much. Yeah, walks so, away. Yeah, you know, that's that's what we're really focused on is is a safety aspect of it. I mean, I think getting into competing in, in like our pro series here in Canada now, you know, to start a new build is probably a little bit harder than how we've tiered it up over the last four or five years. You know, you have to buy everything all at once. But, you know, basically over the last four or five years, we've been asking guys to, you know, increase the safety, you know, put intrusion bars, drive shaft loops, um, fire suppression, halo seats, Hans device. And it's just, you know, it's been progressive. So you're not spending in, you know, several thousand dollars a season. But, you know, maybe you're at that $1,200 to $1,500 upgrading, you know, your safety stuff. Yeah, but you know, I, I think in that side of it, it's important just because you know if we're asking them to to push their cars, push their driving skill right to the limit in in competition, their safety has to also be there. You know, there's a, that's the difference between I guess between the, the grassroots uh, stuff that we do, like we do a two day bash. You know, anything goes. You can just go nuts, and it's all classes of cars driving together. And, you know, it's controlled basically by the speed. We run it on a smaller track, so your speeds aren't quite as high. And that reduces forever the guys who shoot our video. You know, our dedicated team of photographers that come out, we still kept all that going and did recaps like, you know, it was 2019 and COVID didn't exist. 
Yeah. And we tried to really, you know, paint it in as normal of a picture as we could. And, you know, that really helped it, you know, it just really exploded, I guess, our Instagram more than anything, just all the footage and coverage that we had from, you know, a season where everything was being canceled for us to be able to run, maybe gave us a, I don't know, just that needed uh, content that people were craving. Um, Sorry, my computer's just some weird thing. But so your social media grind, do you guys think that gonna help you guys in the future with drifting and stuff like that? Because it seems to be an awkward place right now. I don't know if I'm I'm the only one that thinks that, but just maybe it's just me on a personal level that finds it to be at an awkward place. Well, or if we like full speed ahead, you could reach right. I mean, if you can, you change how you're marketing you know, the drivers, you change maybe how you're marketing to your, to your fans. So before, let's say 2019, Mm -hmm. we'd have the stand set up and we'd have all the sponsor advertising focused for in-person visitors, right? Or in-person spectators. So just where you place everything so that it's not necessarily on camera, but it's in everybody's eyesight. So the fans sitting in your stands is seeing, you know, your sponsors, whether it's, you know, RV company or Zestino tires or, you know, our part suppliers. And so that maybe opened our eyes a lot to see that coming into this year, more of what we're doing is on track advertising. So, you know, all of our signage, all of our sponsors will be where the action is on track. Um, so that you can get that picked up easier by the cameras and it'll be in way more of our social media content, you know, like I guess on Instagram has been really good, good reach and good, um, you know, just a good way to promote the series, promote the drivers, you know, and it seemed to just grow exponentially once we passed, you know, like 20,000 followers. Once we passed that, it seemed just to you know, to get to 20,000. Yeah. It was hard to get to 20,000. And then from 20,000 to 30,000, it seemed to come in a short amount of time just because you're, you know, that many more eyes on it and the content that we're, you know, we tried to keep consistent content of drifting throughout the, uh, the winter months. Right. And, uh, that's, that's sort of just been the key. We're just trying to, you know, keep our drifting here in not the COVID era, trying to still run our events. You know, you still have to do all the safety protocols, masks, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the driving, the look and the feel and try not to, we've just been really trying not to write the season off, you know, even though like right now we're still kind of locked down, you're not allowed more than 10 people outside, but you know, we got still a couple of months before our first round. So you know, we're hoping those restrictions lift and, yeah. uh, it'll kind of, you know, back to a new normal, right? Uh, hopefully sooner than later, man. Do you guys have like well, your schools are... open and stuff yet or no? Cause I live in LA County. Yeah. So we've had the worst hit as far as like the school system does. Yeah. They, they opened up here for us. Like, um, last year was completely closed, but September school is back to normal. You know, they've been open. 
you know, a lot of things like gyms and that kind of stuff get closed down. They've been closed down twice and reopened restaurants, same thing. Oh, wow. But, you know, it's, 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 it's just one of those things. It's, uh, it's been, it's been really tough and you see it, especially on, you know, maybe some of the, the drivers and stuff like that, you see them just not being able to come up to as many events as what they maybe did in 2019. But, um, in talking to a lot last season, it just felt like, you know, they, even if they came out to one of our open drifts, they would, they would come and be part of it. And it, you know, you talk to them and they said, well, it just feels something like normal. I'm out of the house. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, you know, locked up anymore so i think that was it's just a such a huge social scene here right as it is everywhere you know like the drift community is fairly unique i i think and uh, it is it is you know and guys you just see them you know they're still keeping their distance doing all their stuff but you know it's just that friendly face that maybe you didn't see from you know the last eight months and maybe you thought you weren't going to there's that and, amplified on top of just the off season, yeah. Re, yeah. being reunited after uh, the off season, and then plus like right. the COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I get it; it makes sense. So for us, it was like, you know, especially last year, we were going into the start of the season, and there's so many unknowns, and you know, guys are like, "Well, we thought you were writing the season off, so they weren't getting their cars ready," and we were just like, "We have to." We have to run it. We have to keep something going. We don't. Who knows what it's going to turn out like? And in some ways, it was it was, you know, maybe the best season that we had. You know, not not fan wise, but the driving skill that we saw improve was was you know phenomenal. I mean, you had Chris Pollard on who won our championship this year. And to see his improvement from 2019 to 2020 was was great. You know, we have another young guy. He was Austin Jensen. Um, drives like an S14 V8. And, you know, his 2019 season wasn't amazing. You know, he, I think he qualified two of our four rounds. But, you know, he came out in 2020 and was just like, it seemed like he was a guy to beat. He was more confident in his driving, set up, everything. And it was just great to see some really, you know, good shining lights of the drivers and their improvement, right? So I think all in all, it was worth that. Worth, worth seeing some of the some of the guys develop and, and get better. Yeah, I, actually, I had um, one of the – you were on earlier last year, right? At some point, I believe. I was on in February last year. I think we were still there. Corona we're still living happened. our best fucking life is what we were doing. Uh-huh. And then not too shortly after we all got shut down. I do remember that. Um, but I had, uh, who was it? The 881 crew on. Um, and they ended up, one of their guys ended up licensing as well. Yeah, Mark Dunbar. Yeah. He came in uh, third overall. You know, and I think Aaron Day, he was second. He was, he's been our man, like back-to-back championship winner. And, uh, you know, he was, it was just, uh, I think some bad luck on his part. He was struggling with some power steering and a new angle kit, you know, and 
but it was really good to see the maybe the the newer guys given giving him a run for it. And, you know, I'm talking to him too. He says like, he's has to work harder than he ever has to win, which is, which is good. You know, you can't just be, you know, the top two or three guys that are always uh, taking it. And we didn't, we saw a shakeup on the podium a few times, different faces and, uh, you know, different guys, you know, reaching that, the, the finals. And that's really good to see. You know, we did change a few things last year in our, I guess, in how we qualify. And um, basically, we, we just locked in our top 14 spots. We still run a top 16. But the top 14 spots are locked in, and then we just do a head-to-head battle for those last two spots is kind of what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, like let's say we, we never had 20 drivers, but if theoretically we had 20 drivers show up and – everybody would be in the show and everyone would get to drive head to head. So you, you know, our last six drivers are going to do, you know, a top six to fill up those last two spots for top 16. We just, we did that so that, you know, guys, if you did a scoring run, like you had to still do a qualifying run you couldn't just, you know, spin out and be in, but if you, you know, scored lower, you still get the tandem competition, which I think is the most important. That's how they really become a better driver, you know, instead of like, you know, qualifying 17th and you're out. Yeah. It gives them a chance to like fight for it, like that last chance qualifier type idea. And the other change we're doing, and I see FD is doing it as well, is yeah, this year we're just going to do our change of qualifying order. So it's going to be in your ranking. So our number one, um, in standings from last year will be the first driver out to qualify. do his qualify. Oh, okay. You know, it just to be backwards, right? Yeah. It's always been reverse order and we we're toying around with it a little bit last year. And we decided early on that we were going to do it that way. I think it just, I'm not sure. It, it, it makes one as a judge as you're watching the best runs first. I think, you know, and then as you're scoring, it's going to make it, um, you're grading off of, you know, your, your point, your series champion from 2019, he's going to be the first guy out on track and that'll maybe in a, in a mental capacity, give the judges that, you know, he was our number one driver from 2020. So that should be the benchmark that we're looking at on these tracks. In theory, anyway, because, you know, we'll, I'll be the first one to say, you know, judging is is a lot harder than I than I would have expected. And, you know, to be to be fair and to um, to concentrate and see all the runs is is it's a it's a task. It's a real challenge, you know, to not miss anything, to not get distracted and look away. Um, it's 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 a tough one. So I, I have a lot of respect for people who are judging in any in any level of uh, drifting, but you know I think it was a good challenge and a nice change. I, I I really enjoyed it. I think the you know feedback from the drivers was that they um I, I've driven all these all the tracks and normally what I do when we go to uh, 
to a round of competition is I'll drive the track to try to set it up so that, you know, the clipping points are in the right spot, you know, the outer zones and, and stuff like that and where you're transitioning. So usually I'll run the track, you know, 10, 15 times. So it gives, it gives me a better idea of, you know, what's possible, where you want to see the cars be you know like where they need to be in the touch and go to make it to you know the front clip or if you're you know late getting into the touch and go then you're late leaving it and then you know you miss the front clip and then it puts you off in your next zone so being able to you know drive it even have them see me driving it you know, not like I'm always going to be you know number one qualifier, but at least gives them an idea of what I'm, what we're talking about, where we're showing them on track. And, and I think that helped out a lot, you know, one for the judging, one for setting up the course, just because, you know, when you walk it or you, you know, you look at it from the judge's tower, you know, it's hard to, to set up those front clips where they need to be or where the outer zone needs to be without actually being in the car and driving it. So do you, are you guys doing any type of, um, like coaching with your drivers in any way? Well, like our, our, our open drift nights are pretty much that, um, where we'll try to give feedback. So, I'd say like the new guys, like if you're a rookie for this year, I see a lot of them on our Thursday nights and we, we spend time kind of just saying, Hey, you know, I see how you, you do this and we maybe help them with some car setup or, or give them some suggestions, you know, not as much as we can. And in the, so like during our practice time at a competition round, normally one or two of the judges will be down in the hot pit area and we we'll watching the drivers uh, do their runs. And then we try to, you know, give our feedback so that we can say, you know, you're getting in um, too late into touch and go one, for example. And that puts them like, you know, 20 feet too far down the course Whereas if they get into it a little bit earlier, it sets them up for, you know, we can show them on, you know, the track, what it is that they're doing that's making them miss the marks and is ultimately going to hurt them in their score. So we did that a lot. And, you know, I think all the guys are, you know, open to, to the feedback for sure. You know, they, it's their job as drivers to, you know, try to drive the line that we're asking them to, because that's ultimately what we're scoring them on, right? Correct. Um, the other thing we took out of our judging this year was we used to judge speed, so we would give uh, we'd give a speed score in there as well. But we took that out just basically because we needed the extra points. You know, speed's too easy of a thing to to lose points on, so we felt like we just needed it in the other areas like style and line so we we added those to our style and line judge um what do you guys have judging do you guys you do you stick with like a set of people obviously other than yourself as you mentioned you were judging um yeah or do you kind of like change it up 
No, we, we keep the same judges. And we last year we judged the same discipline every round. So I was a uh, line judge at all four rounds. Uh, John Bernstad, he did style. And then Chad Sager, he was our angle judge. And I think we're probably doing the same thing this year. Just for consistency, I think it was important that, you know, maybe drivers learn the, the, uh, the line that I'm looking for and we're fairly, you know, transparent on what that is. And if you drive it, you're going to score well. And it doesn't leave them guessing on how, how I'm going to, how their line is going to be judged between rounds because it should be consistent because it's the same guy. Uh, we're trying to get an FD judge to come up to one of our rounds, but I mean, with the borders being shut, it's really, really Is difficult to ask. From there, um. yeah, but Ryan, Ryan, he's he's staying in the states at the moment, just because every time he comes back to Canada, he has to quarantine for fourteen days. Mm. So you have to stay in your house for fourteen days every time you cross the border. That's a bit excessive. Okay. So, unless that changes, you know, pretty much any hopes that we had of having uh, you know, an FD judge come up is is difficult. But I know, I know, Ryan, he's he's down for it if he doesn't have to do the quarantine. He's, and I think that'll just be more, you know, for our benefit as the organizers and judges, just to you know take his wisdom and and apply it into our series as well. Right? We can we can get better just like the drivers are getting better. I think judging is another aspect in the series that, you know, constantly needs to be improved. And, you know, all of us, the three guys that, that have been judging, you know, last year, you know, we're committed to do it again this year and really try to, to be better judges as well. Right. Do you guys have any other big changes other than the, um, the qualifying order that you're going to be doing this year? No, not really. That's, that's about it. There wasn't anything major on that. I think just that. And then some of the feedback was just being more, more clear on what it is that we're looking for in certain areas. So we'll do a better driver's briefing and also just instead of us just talking to the driver's briefing, we're going to have the notes printed out so the drivers will each one of them will have a copy of the track map with the points and where it is on the map right so let's say we're have a you know one front clip and that's valued at 30 points every driver is going to know what that is and they're going to know that that front clip is worth 30 points and they'll also see in their track notes what's going to deduct them points on that you know whether you're you know two hashtags off of it you know like five or six feet or something like that how many points that's going to be worth so i think it's just more clarifying give them more information to have it back in their pits and i think that should be yes you know kind of the way they did it over at um the drift league well, they would give us like the big bank was like worth 20 points, but it was broken it in two spots. Yeah. So we, we kind of, we did the same thing for 
all of our tracks and just the more important parts of it. Right. So we actually generally what we did, we have one banked, um, oval that we do and we, we didn't value the bank as much as like the touch and go in the front clip. We valued the transitions way more than the bank because a bank is like a bank <laughs> in, yeah. in my mind. So those weren't worth as much points, you know, your initiation where that point was, was, you know, hard and fast. And it's kind of like you get five points or if you miss it, you get zero points there. But just giving them that, taking that track map, but then Very also getting your right hands. What's that? Very cutthroat of you, Sean. If you miss it, you're screwed. Well, I don't even give you a single point. That's sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it's only like five there, there right? That's- Pretty basic, here. though, right? No, that's true. You have because to, you have FD's to be not going to be like, oh, I'll give you a couple of points. No, there's zero. No. Especially <laughs> so, for you. It's so weird because I don't know if you notice how FD <laughs> the judging works. It's, yeah. Because it, it's human. So, like, people who know, I feel like, right, and I'm, I hope it's not like you're in but when someone is doing, someone they know who is a really great driver will make a mistake. But then someone they know who's like a shit driver will make the same mistake. Like the person who's already a shitty driver is going to get docked way more than the guy who's a good driver who made the one mistake the one time. But not the guy who continues to make an absolute, like an okay. absurd amount of mistakes. I don't know if, if I'm making sense that, that doesn't happen in judging and drifting, does it? 100%. We're, we're unbiased. <laughs> right. And, uh, okay. I mean, we try, we to, try be. to be. We try to be. We, That's we fair. really do. But I think it's it's like more of a natural human thing, other than as opposed to like uh, like them just trying to be a dick to like a certain driver or something like that. But it does happen; you see it all the time. I guess so. So what 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 we did as judges this last uh, so this off season is we have the scores from all of the runs basically, and we have them recorded. So for fun, we went back. What was this in February? I emailed, you know, three videos to all the judges and I said, okay, now we got to judge it again. So everyone needs to judge it and write down why they did and in different orders. And, you know, you're doing it six months later and surprising, you know, like we came up within like three or four points of what we had scored at the event mm-hmm. and we were harder judging in February than we were live at the event. So guys always scored three to four points lower when we were just watching the replay. Right. But that's just the kind, like I know the other two uh, guys, John Bernstadt and uh, Chad Sager, they, they're constantly questioning, you know, did we do it right? Is this, are we being, you know, did I miss something? And, you know, probably for the week after the event, we're emailing each other videos and and trying to to make sure that we didn't miss anything or got it right or what we should be looking for. And so, I mean, I, I look at that and I, I see the dedication from from, you know, the other two guys that are helping out. And I I see that, you know, they just want to get it right. And I don't think that they've taken the like, I don't think anything's personal in it. You know, I guess every everyone says that, but you know, I'm I'm pretty confident that that the amount of times that we've discussed it for a non-paying job, 
we spend a heck of a lot of time talking about uh, drifting. You don't fucking say, yeah. man. And how to get it right. Don't say. All we're trying yeah. to do is get it for a little bit cheaper by chasing these sponsors. We're still coming out of pocket. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got like a handful of drivers who are like on a paid gig. So how, how do you think we're going to make it sustainable? What do you think is fair for sustainable drifting? It depends on how you do it. So the way I've chosen to go about it is to actually start a company. Um, right. And with that, everything falls under this umbrella of drifting to where the majority of it is a tax write-off. But I, I'll be 100% honest, I would never would have started a suspension company. In my, like, that's the last thing I thought I was going to start. I mean, it's right. not suspension-specific. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is it is an aftermarket auto parts company. You know, it, it has its... I mean, they basically make, like, all the drift parts for the Cadillac, with the exception of, like, an angle kit right now. Um, right, so a huge market that you have. Yeah, hang on. Sorry, uh, something fell. It scared the shit out of me. Um, mm. so, but, yeah, it's not, like, a huge market, but it's... Um, I also just started three months ago, and I'm I'm doing not bad. That's yeah. good. So, it's people are ordering parts, and as long as we keep ordering parts, I think we'll be okay. That's the way I went about it. Um, I think there's several ways to do it. There's, I don't know if you know Vaughn's story. I don't know his story like through and through, but I do know mm-hmm. he was like a computer guy in an office, um, and then just like took a leap of faith and was able to make it a career out of this, like where he quit his day job. Yeah. So yeah, he's he, the ultimate uh, dream he, gig that he has now, right? He really is. But, it did come easy, but he made it happen, know? though. But he's, he's definitely, he, oh, set, yeah. he set the tone, I think. Yeah. So everyone kind of has their own way of going about that. Um, yeah. And that was, this, this little venture just happened to be mine. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see how we're yeah. Done. I, yeah, I look at it like in a couple of ways. I think, you know, it, I see a lot of, uh, you know, comments what on online and, you know, all these Facebook groups and stuff like that. And, you know, even other podcasts talking about like, how is, how is this going to be a sustainable thing? And we also do like, I do a bit of road racing. So I know some of the guys that run like, you know, let's say our spec Miata series and they're not chasing any sponsors at all. They look for it. They get some deals, you know, some group buys or something like that on tires. But basically each one of them goes like, I got $5,000 that I'm spending on drifting this year or road racing. Let's say I got 5,000 I'm spending on racing and that's what they spend. And that's kind of their budget. Unless something catastrophic happens, like, you know, they write the car off or something, that's kind of what they can do for entry fees and traveling and tires and fuel. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the the mindset that probably 90% of drivers need to have is like, what's, you know, we're all working another full-time job to support our habit, drifting and shredding tires and... But, you know, like, I think, like, at this point, especially in, like, Pro-Am, 
even through, you know, like prospect, let's say you're more looking for partnerships and not getting a full ride sponsorship, right? Like the difference between the two, you know, we always call it, you know, sponsor driver this, but realistically 90% of the time you're just getting a deal on parts. Maybe you're getting a bit better than cost on them even, you know, so the company that you're buying fuel from, let's say if you're buying like a race fuel, maybe they're, you know, kicking in, you know, a hundred dollars on a barrel of fuel instead of like, you know, just giving to you at cost. So it's costing them a little bit, but they're not giving you, you know, free for all free fuel. I think that's kind of the way it needs to be is that, you know, a reasonable expectation because, you know, if you look at all of the, the pro-am drivers, the guys that are going out and competing on, you know, multiple series throughout Canada and the U S yeah, you know, probably 1500 guys, 1500 drivers out there that are trying to compete for the same, you know, sponsorship dollars, or let's say, and yeah, I, I don't have the, the answer to say, yeah, I know, like go and chase this. So what we, what I tend to do as a series is try to like, you know, bring our group of drivers to companies kind of on behalf of the drivers themselves. So I'll say, you know, we have 20 guys that are, you know, locked in to compete and, and this is what, you know, they need, we need, we need a deal on seats or we need a deal on, you know, safety equipment or Hans devices. Cause we can't, I can't ask all the guys to go and pay full retail for, you know, a neck restraint system. And, you know, they're each one of them is going to email, you know, whether it's Simpson safety or whatever and, and ask for it, but they're probably not going to get, you know, a deal, maybe 10% off. Whereas if we try to do some of those, you know, the essential buys on behalf of the drivers, it's, it's been working out better for us. Right. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, you know, if, if you can get something where, you know, uh, a couple of shops will sponsor you with tuning or, something for free. That's great. And the rest of it is just minimizing the cost. So it's not as expensive as full retail to go drive and, and have fun. Right. Yeah. But, you know, and then there's another, you know, a bunch of guys too. I mean, they all, they're all, I don't know, maybe, maybe a drivers in every series is like this but like we got some super talented people that you know you know do fabrication do you know composite parts do a bunch of different things that they're able to you know like a value-added service that they can sell to to other drivers and or you know just like you making uh, suspension parts yeah. and you sell a hundred you know control arms you know, maybe that pays entry fees for all of your rounds. You know, so basically, hundred times X. Love you know what I mean. Money. You need to. Yeah, you, well, yeah. I mean, anything. You know, if if you can, if your profit can be, you know, a hundred dollars is a hundred dollars less that is coming out of your, you know, yeah, your my profit's a hundred dollars on each set of control arms, and I sell eighty of them. I ain't doing too bad. No, that's it, right? My season is pretty much paid for. Um, (laughs) 
Well, see, that's that's how it started, though. That's not like where it got to now. But then right. again, I I did that to pay for this, so this way my personal income can be for you know like buying a house and being an adult. Um, you know what I mean. But I wanted that That'd secondary an income to help. Listen, you can't use that. I'm going to be an adult and buy a house, and so now I can't drift for the year. That doesn't fly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Come on. We... Can't give up drifting. Nope. Tell you yeah. the number one mistake. If you have a race car that's paid for, never sell it. That's it. If your race car is paid for and it doesn't owe you anything, never get rid of it. Because it takes you forever to get it back, especially if you're trying to buy a house. That's You'll what never I figured. Get that yeah. Right. Because wh- where else are you gonna, you know, right? where else are you gonna pull like that kind of cash together later on? You'll always find something else. So that's what I always say. If you, you got one that's ha- paid, you end up having oh. to build another one. Right. And then it'll take you forever. And then you know, how are you gonna justify that when you got this house to pay for? You maybe you need a deck instead of, you know, a transmission. So never, <laughs> not in this household. <laughs> Uh, but no, I get what you're saying. But that's that was the whole point yeah. about like trying to make this sustainable. Like you have to do something. Um, a lot of the guys, not not a lot. There's 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 a decent few that are able to get some monitor, make their like their social media monitor, like with their um, their YouTube or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, a lot of other people got to do work two jobs um yeah but i mean i, I mean have a side business it, whatever it no, is yeah. it's not the most expensive motorsport it's expensive but all motorsports is ex- are anything in motorsports is expensive so i mean it's uh a bang for the buck i think the drifting is still the best deal out there right in my in my never be humble opinion but it's uh Yes, I guess sometimes you, you talk to guys coming into it. The people that have been around drifting for a long time, they, they already know the deal. They know if they can get a great deal on something and they can show that partner that, um, you know, good feedback with good content on their on their social media, then, you know, maybe maybe that's worth more in, in multi-year deals. So usually what, what you know, I've tried to do is is do like a year one year two year three deal so that you know year one may not be worth very much but you get to see whether you know we're going to perform and if we don't live up to our end of the bargain you're not obligated to pay year two but you know if we've done what we said and we've kept our end up and and you know provide the content that we said we would and did the post that we were going to then year two should be better than year one and year three should be better than year two. So, you know, that's it. Just long-term partners, I guess, are, are what, you know, we, we do for, for my car. And kind of we, we do the same thing for the series as well. You know, we have a lot of long-term partners that, you know, advertise with us and, and help us with prize packs and whatever it is. I mean, we're kind of out of the you know, the manufacturing hub of the state. So we don't have all the, the brands necessarily located in Canada. So some aspects, a little bit difficult. Yeah, got FTF. To, 
we got FDF. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. actually, he helps a ton of our guys already. I think Chris Pollard's on his stuff. And, you know, like for us as, uh, if it's, if they're already helping a driver, we really, I, I usually don't try to contact them either. I'd rather that money go to the driver. I mean, if, if he's able to help out, you know, you know, Chris Poehler to make a ton of these, you know, angle kits and suspension parts, he's, you know, more power to him and great for our drivers. Yeah. And I think his quality's there. I mean, I've seen this stuff on uh, Chris's car and it's like, it's uh, as good as anything out there. It's very nice. Uh, hang on. Got a helicopter going by. Um, he actually supplies some of the parts for the stuff I put together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think right now, what do I get from him? I get my Heim spacers from him, the special mm-hmm. ordered ones for my control arms. Then I also get a shackle that he makes for my control arms. Um, okay. That, oh, I want the, uh, the machined aluminum rod he makes. Those are for my toe rod. Um, but I just happen to be looking yeah, for something else. Business. Like I stumbled across across this other stuff because he like messaged me about so, about spacers, mm-hmm. and then he ended up having the rest of the parts I needed. Yeah, he was. Uh, I watched some of his his you know videos, install videos, and and knowledgeable. You just see it, you know, in the way that he talks. He reminds me a little bit of like. Uh, Steph Papadakis when he's talking, right? <laughs> That's too much knowledge. <laughs> oh, when he yeah. is kind of like he's and he's also kind of like able to dumb it down. Like I watched his, um, he made some videos about. Actually, I invited him to be on too. He made some videos with like a whole um, setup to show you like how caster works, how it works. Yeah. That yeah, was pretty interesting. Yeah, he had that on. He had that on that jig on the table, right? That's what I meant to it, say. It jig. Is, just yeah, my words. I just don't know where they are when I'm doing this. Yeah, no, he's, we, we've been reaching out to him. Hopefully, he'll make an FD uh, angle kit sometime soon, and you know, then I'll buy it. That'd yeah, be it. <laughs> yeah. Never uh, come back. And he's really cool drop. too. Yeah. So, uh, what are your plans actually this year? Um, I don't know how things are looking over there. Well, I mean, like I, I'm like going to drive all the uh, if you guys are yeah, I drive all the fun days here. Okay, are you guys so, going to be allowed to come over soon? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I gotta, you know, I gotta come down and uh, catch up with, uh, you know, Daniel and all the friends that we have down in the states. It's been like a year. Uh, I mean, I think in 2019, I probably drove down and down over the winter, you know, a dozen times. And lots in Vegas doing Vegas drift events and, you know, hanging out with Nick and stuff there. So that's, you know, if it opens up, we'll be down doing that again. What's that? me on red. For what? Uh, I asked him how much the team would Oh, you got to hit him up on Instagram. I did. (laughs) Really? Okay, I'm going to bug him now. No, he's 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 uh, definitely a, a solid looking, guy. There. I'm not looking for because he's got my car at his shop. So I mean, all my stuff is still in the states. It's just I can't get to it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I know where that shop is too. It's actually not too far from my dad's house. Um, yeah, 
so yeah, he's storing it for me and, and looking after everything. So, I mean, that's what I mean. We got great people down there. I mean, I just got to give them a call and say, I am coming down on this date and you know, the car will be ready to go when I get there. So that's, that's a plan. If that opens up, if not, we're going to, like I say, we got these 20, 20 basic grass root open drift days that that's a lot you know, of drifting for anybody for a year. Have, it is. That is driving every two weeks. We we do weekly practices though. So we start twenty six events in December. Yeah, but we only start. We we only go from uh, first week of May till end of September. Oh, that's right. Because you guys have like real winter. I forget. Sorry, forgive me. I forget you guys. Well, we also you know like next year. So next year we're gonna do. We did that ice drifting this Uh year. We went out on a lake. I don't know if you saw any video of that. I took my RX-7 out on a frozen lake and we cleared it off and just uh, did some ice drifting with that. So that was pretty cool. How thick does that ice have to be? How thick does it have to freeze over for you to put a car on top of it? Like 18 inches. Yeah, that is like yeah. solid. Of 18 inches. Oh, yeah. So that no, makes sense. Like you're not through. And so we just take like, actually, we just take our regular drift tires and we just, uh, we put fender washers through them and like fender bolts mm-hmm. so you get about half inch uh spike bolted right through the tire and per tire we do about 180 of those holy crap so which is like a six dollar yeah. box i get it <laughs> you get like insane traction with really? that when you're on like if there's no snow and it's just like glare ice, ice okay it's probably like driving on s- on damp asphalt it, it's it's crazy like there's a so lot I of grip. for sure get real hot got it. It, it it is crazy so we're gonna try to do more of that next year if, you know if everything's locked up here but um no that's pretty much it i mean i i'm we're focusing probably just mostly on the series i mean uh you know it's I, I focus probably on the, in the series side of it. Mine is like on track. My side of the deal is, you know, looking after the drivers, booking the venues and, and trying to make, you know, the competition side of it. And then my wife looks after pretty much everything else, like, you know, clothing, merch, stuff like that, making sure that, you know, all the drivers got decals and banners and everything that they need. And, you know, looking after the show, the staff, everything is, it's, uh, I only get the pat on the back, but she does all the hard work. <laughs> get it while you can, so. That's a way to do it. No, without, without her, that's, we, we'd be, uh, we'd be a sad little event without the women that are behind it. It seems like, I don't know. That's good though. At least you have that like support. Uh, well, not necessarily the support, she's doing a job as well. Uh, but, oh yeah, well, you know, I'd she's say made something out of it, or some people would be like, "Oh, uh, do I have to?" Yeah, she's got a good group of, uh, you know, ladies behind her that really help. Like, I don't know, I always, I always look after the events, and we, we get back, and I'm like, you know what? If it was just left up to me and uh, you know, the guys that I bring, it would be a complete disaster. So, like John's wife, Carrie, you know, he's another, he's a judge with us, and his wife comes along too. So. You know, she looks after 
you know, computer input scoring, gate, anything, you know, that needs to be done. They're kind of like busy all the time and see everything that I don't see. So, you know, my wife assembled this team of uh, ladies that help her out and, you know, thank God for them because my organizational skills aren't, aren't even close, right? <laughs> but... I don't know. I, I hear you on that. Not only am I bad or my bad at organizing, I'm also bad at remembering things, planning oh, yeah. ahead. Oh yeah. Um, if I don't write I, it down, considered it, lost. Yeah. Until it's an issue. Yeah, until but, it comes up. Like until the issue. Yeah, is we're in on front a bad day, and it's like no, it's like eleven thirty, yeah. and I'm like, Geez. who did anybody order lunch for the? Uh, what are we? What's the staff going to eat? Did anybody bring anything like, and it's, you know, thank God that somebody thought of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's no, not me. I hear you. It wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, I, I have a similar thing like with my girlfriend. I asked her like if we do add anything out of state events or anything that requires travel, she can take care of that. Oh yeah. Maybe not necessarily like the finances, but the planning part because she's, a traveler like that's what she likes to spend her money on yeah um and i have no idea what i'm doing nah, just i was knowing, just like, like hey I mean, make sure this trailer fits in their yard <laughs> that's yeah, it right and no like when we, we like let's say we're planning this trip to mission and we have you know 22 staff members so i would go okay we need 11 rooms well that, that sure that works if you divide it out but not everybody's a couple or sometimes you do have couples and sometimes you, you know, like husband and wife. Well, so do you actually need 11 rooms or do you need 14 rooms? Well, turns out you need 14. <laughs> That's the way point. it works, right? Uh, you know what, you though? Know? Like for, so, for my personal job, I ended up yeah. – so I had guys staying out of town. They're like, oh, we're going to put them each in a hotel room for my bosses in front of it. And then yeah. I asked them, I was like, do you guys want to just stay at an Airbnb together? Yeah. And we ended up saving me like 200 bucks a night. Yeah, so, like, yeah, I guess. I don't know if you guys we, have we that do. over there. Yeah, we do, but we're doing hotels because of the whole, like, you can't, who knows how the quarantine's going to be or how oh, no, the, that makes uh, sense. COVID cramp. So we just did hotel. It's easier for us that way. But, no, Airbnb, Airbnbs are, are good. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's cheaper or not. Maybe it is. It ended up being cheaper so, for what I was doing, but I can see mm -hmm. how it can be cheaper too at the same time. Yeah. I mean, so, did uh, you get any questions on the on the Instagram that we were supposed to talk about? No, you know, I actually stopped doing the question thing. Um, Thanks. Way to go. One, I don't really get them. Double check for me. <laughs> um, which was the main reason, and I actually even stopped um, sharing like pre-shows because sometimes I'll get like you know just behind. No, just dumb questions that I don't, I don't know what to say about. Like, it's just like the same questions that you hear over and over, like within the well, uh, community, like the dumb, funny ones. And I'm like, ah, I'm kind of over it. Um, well, like I was talking with Tony Kachi today. He's uh, he does all of our announcing on the at the series. He's like the voice of all of our videos and calls all the you know, the drift battles, right? So that's what we were talking a lot about was like what makes sustainable drifting. And that's sort of why we're, I was bringing that up. And then I had Delahaye 
I think he had Jason Delahaye on. He has that supercharged V8 Skyline. I don't know if he ever came on. He and I talked about it. Okay, yeah, he has that blue one, right? So he let me drive it at the end of last year. So he wanted uh, me to discuss why V8s are superior, how great V8s are, and how enjoyable it was to drive it compared to my rotary turbo. So I guess (laughs) I'm not a V. (laughs) I guess they're superior. Thanks for letting me drive it and shred a better tires. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. How did Maybe you like one it day. compared compared to the old thirteen uh, B? Did you know that it was the first time I drove a V eight car? Was I was aware. last year, and it was uh, it was actually really good. Once you you just got to drive it different than what you do a turbo powered car. And once I figured that out, it was actually so what really is the fun. difference? Well, let's well, let's I say I, I use the clutch a lot more, like so your clutch kicking in uh-huh. with uh, with my turbo car, and like with his car, you just kind of you know steer it into the corner and step on the gas, and the rear tire spins out. He's also got on a my car. car. Oh yeah, yeah. Like maybe it was the wrong V eight to uh, drive for the first time, just because. Now, I don't know if like a stock 5.3 is going to do anything for me or if it'll just annoy me. And, you know, his car is for sale, by the way. So if anybody's looking for a great turnkey drift car, it's uh, ready to roll. Uh, yeah, he's selling his Skyline V8 supercharged. He's done? CD, CD09. No, he's building a new car. Oh. But, yeah. So... Yeah, I think He's it's trying pretty to... sweet. Oh, it, it's it's probably uh, you know it's one of my favorite cars on grid for sure. And I don't know whether it's just the car or his lack of caring for it. He kind of drives it with like you know zero f's given. He just <laughs> I don't know. He scares me sometimes when we're <laughs> when we're watching when we're watching these guys drive in. Sometimes uh-huh. there's handful of drivers that like they're so exciting to watch um ryan drutz i think he's been on yeah and jason they are the two drivers that like they'll come in on a full wet rain course way too fast and going like completely out of control and you're like it's so exciting it's the best thing ever Ryan Drutz so, had to rebuild his car recently, right? Because he hit something? That yeah, he hit not... the wall in uh, our last round. But, I mean, like, I guess that's something, too. I mean, our, our the drivers this year, too, like in 2020, seem to be just more dialed on, you know, even preparation. They seem to be more prepared when they got to the track, like, um, you know, like Ryan, yeah, he crashed hard, broke his rad and, uh, like he still made it out for qualifying and uh, he came in second to that event and it's just crazy. And I was like, you know, probably two years ago, I don't know if guys would have had that, that same level of preparedness. So I think that's something that maybe we, you know, I noticed more this year over years past is guys just coming with like more spares, 
taking it more seriously and just, uh, you know, they didn't, uh, crash out and, and sit out. I think we had, you know, a few guys that went into the wall and, you know, they fixed their car no matter what it took and got out to qualify and, and drove the rest of the event. And that's, I don't know. Maybe that's why I can't compete anymore. I'm not that, uh, not that dedicated or that, that organized. <laughs> now, are you done with competing it altogether or you're just not competing it that day anyway? Nah, I'm just, I, I, I probably won't compete, uh, you know, hey. and it, I was never really competitive here anyway. I don't think my mind wasn't, wasn't in it mm-hmm. necessarily. I just enjoy driving with, with my friends here. So you know, we got a lot of fun days, so that's that's it. I think in the coming down, I really want to do a shootout in uh, in the states. I mean, I've been trying to, you know, like the the Vegas one for sure. You know, Nick runs such good events that if if I have to get to one shootout, it's got to be his. His, I don't know, he's just got a different mindset and team that is that's amazing. So, definitely want to hit hit one of his events. I'm gonna ask you an odd question. Yeah. You're not the first person that say it, that has said it. Is okay. it like a Canadian thing to refer to the radiator as the rad? I guess so. Because I I hear it, but I've only ever heard it when I talk to Canadian folk. Really? And we just say he broke his rad. Yeah, you guys just as the rad. He had a rad. I'm like, what's a rad issue? Because I know what a rad issue. Like, nothing is bad about any issue. Um, oh, maybe because it's rad, Dan. So we think rad radiator, radiator. How's it? I, know, have, I you, know. have you heard Rad Dan's story of how he got that name? Yeah, because it's pretty fucking yeah. great. Okay, no one's ever heard it. Uh, yeah, Max from Driftcast. He was on the episode one day, and he tells you what happened. And it's yeah. very funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling. I, I, I'm like a drift junkie. I, if I try to listen to everything and hear everything. I listen to all your podcasts and everything. So I'm on it. You listen to the, every episode of this thing? That's not. Yeah, yeah. I listen to the last do. one with Mustang guy. I can't remember his name, but. Scott Payne. You know what? One. He and I, I like that guy. Yeah. And you know what's funny? So do you remember uh, the episode I did with Rathina? I was like, I'm not even going to ask this dumb question. It was his question. Okay. And then he was on the next oh. episode, and I really got along oh, yeah, with him. Yeah. Uh, I really yeah, like no, him. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I. Yeah. Wow, that's sort of what's been going on with us, anyway. I need to get my shoebox down to Texas. Down that sounds like the place What's to that? go. Have you driven in Texas yet? No. I think that's where One I want to go. I don't want to take my comp car though. I want to take my new car. And uh, do I'll their take, seat legal I'll, series. I'll take anything. I. I I don't know. Yeah. I can't do like a street legal series. A street legal like RX-7 is so terrible. So. Oh, no. I got a, I got a base model Cadillac with a five-speed in it, and it's like super hard to find. Here's the problem. They stopped making synchros for the Jetrag 260 transmission, which also came in the okay. E30. I believe the synchros are the same, but the transmission itself as a whole is not the mm-hmm. same, so I can't just slap another one in, like an E30 transmitter. Oh, okay. So, it's, it's just, not fun. 
you can put like a TKO or something in there. Everything I ain't doing no. no, I have no, I have no intentions of doing that. It's gonna stay at five speed. If it does go V eight, they're like a, the AR five transmission from the Colorado in it. But, um, actually, another guess at I don't know if you remember him, Donnie Junior. Um, yeah, he had talked about that. And let me know about that swap. That might happen, but out. I really don't even want to do that to be honest. Um, I just wanted to leave well, a stock. For, for car, I, w- I would definitely recommend a, a, a true dog box GSR. Only way to go to change your life. Only for the better. I haven't had any problems with my Muncie yet. That's what everybody says. And Zero then something goes. Issues. Until I saying. do have one, it's going to stay in there. I'm just saying. Like but don't look for the old, you know, go, you know. Rick at RTS, he'll uh, hook you up. He always has a good deal. He's the one I got my bail housing from, too, actually. See? I'm kind of pissed that I didn't buy the aluminum one for like 100 or 200 bucks extra. With the titanium ring, yeah? Yeah, that's the one I should have won. I don't know. That's right. And then get the the dog box hooked up to it, and you'll be be set. You'll never go back. No, before I did dog box, I would do the rear drift. Like it, 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 it took me years to pull the trigger and get my first dog box. And then my car here has one too. So I each, every car I have that try to drift in has a dog box now. So it's, Actually, it's the best. Let's go a little bit into your history of drifting. If you want to start from like the beginning to, to where you're at now. All right. Oh, geez. Uh, like 12 years. I guess been driving, just doing the uh, same thing. These Thursday nights have been something that has been out of Castro for 12 to 14 years. And that's just where I started. Had an FC RX-7 that I would go and uh, drive around in. And that was great. A great car, probably handled better than the FD until I started to try to get big power out of it. We were looking to get 600 horsepower out of it and then ran into a bunch of electrical issues and started blowing up uh, ECUs because it was shorting out somehow. <laughs> and eventually we just uh, got out of that car and I, I traded a guy for the, uh, for the FDRX7 that is in the States right now. So... Yeah, I went down to Vegas Drift probably in 2009 and tried to compete in a full year there. Went went okay, qualified twice, and uh, spent way too much money, so didn't do that anymore. Came back back to Canada and was kind of competing on and off in. Uh, in the spec D series before we actually ran it. Mm. And then the opportunity came just to, to run the series and kind of take it to a, you know, bring it into an FD licensing series. So after that, I really, you know, was just focused more on hosting events and, and running them. And so just really drove fun days after that. Didn't hardly compete anymore until, probably 2018 when I went down and was competing in the drift league. And the rest is, uh, 
is that never did great in drift league never did great in <laughs> never did highest i've placed in any uh series is fourth place and that's it i've never never uh, got my opportunity to get a pro 2 license in anything would you consider petitioning um i might i, I might consider petitioning but my my goal is different than than maybe what some other people's is like i don't necessarily want to go full out and try to compete in prospect and you know do the full career in fd mm-hmm. i would really just love to drive with some of the drivers at some of my favorite tracks like i would do atlanta i would you know love to do seattle you know in a competition format with really good drivers i think that's the most part just for the experience just for the experience you know i'm not uh i don't have the dream of of being an fd pro i i I like the idea of driving with more of the more of the drivers there like just you know you know you got your bucket list of people that you want to drive with and you know and actually like in competition trim and just sort of see how you're actually doing so yeah that's that's sort of my history of competing and and that and i guess cars it's just been i've I've been addicted to the rotary since since the first one and now i have like too many of them i have three competition spec rotary cars at the moment and two of them live in the u.s so it's a <laughs> one of them I haven't even seen yet. You built another car. I ha- I I purchased a car. You may remember uh, Ron Bergenholtz's car, the RX8. I don't know who the hell that is? Ron Bergenholtz is the Nitto tire rep. Ah, the three rotor RX8 that Chelsea Denofa. I was drove. wondering who bought that thing because I heard that it sold, but I didn't hear anything else. It's just sitting patiently waiting for, for me. Pick it up. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, just sitting in some undisclosed location collecting dust. Hey, you know. hey, at least it's collecting dust. I'll get it somewhere, you know. So. What's your plan for that thing? I... I I think we're going to tune it, see if it passes tech, and I'd probably like to run that in a shootout. You know, it's it's a super... uh, McDaniels went and seen the car and and gone through it a couple of times, and he says, like, Ron Bergenholz, who built it, is super OCD, and everything is precise and over the top with the car. So I think it'll be, you know, the best built. But how old is the car? Isn't it from like 2014? Yeah. But I mean, not much has changed. Dog I mean, box what do you change? No, it's just a dog box, super diff and, you know, G G force three rotor. So, you know, like I think on full tilt, the thing was making 1100 horse. And right now it should be in that six six hundred and fifty at low boost setting. So I mean, 
he's he looked after the car really well always started it once a month and you know the car runs great compression everything's perfect on it but i mean it's just that everything is over the top that i it's stuff that i would never be able to afford in a build without you know big money partners so it was a deal i couldn't pass up you know like dry sump system and you know Motec and everything is, you know, top of the line back in the day, but still top of the line. Right. So, you know, for me, it's, it's a car that I would never afford to build on my own. So the opportunity to purchase it was, was there. So I had to, had to jump on it and (laughs) risk it, I guess. (laughs) And then the pandemic happened. So we uh, couldn't even travel to the States to, uh, you know, to get any seat time in it yet so there it is when's uh is that like the first thing you're doing as soon as they open up your borders oh man you know yeah we gotta come down is it at least in california so when you do come down it's already going to the same spot yeah yeah it's in california or or within driving distance of california yeah it'll be tuned this next coming week so i think i think it'll get tuned this week so you know, we're, we're anticipating the borders will open up sometime in the summer so that, you know, hopefully in the fall we can catch a, catch a shootout or something like that, or at least come down and, and do what we did last year. I mean, there's, you know, I heard Apple Valley repaved or something. So there's some, you know, I, got, I haven't been, been there forever. So I'd like to go back to that track. And Yeah, from my understanding, they widened it a little bit and then repaved it. I'm actually going... Excuse me, on the 23rd of May. But not only do I have to get like my car ready, I just yeah. I think I'm building another car, not for me, okay. for a customer who also has a Cadillac. Yeah, so that's good. So Second guy up there with another Cadillac. Yeah, so they've asked so. me to. Well, he's not going full, full on build. He just wants um, a just like a street driven drift car but basically the way i'm setting up my base model to work out yeah um he wants that but he's got a v8 car already yeah but like i gotta get my car ready and possibly my v6 car and his car maybe you're supposed to answer delhi's questions and tell me why v8s are superior (laughs) (laughs) you know what i would love to be an answer but i've never driven anything outside of one so there you go so I mean, well, I have. I drove like a an inline straight six from um, Jeep for quite a few years, but outside of that, it's pretty much been. V8. Well, maybe I'm gonna have to get a, I'm gonna have to get a V8 maybe just for for something. I don't know. I got a there's a local uh, uh, engine builder that said that he would hook me up if I ever want a V8. He'll build me the best V8 I've ever. You should get into a CTS chassis. And just ruin oh. your life more more so than you already have with the RX7 because I heard that those aren't the most fun chassis either. Is, is you, There's a reason know. like ten of you only only ten of you drift them. Hey, not everybody can be as cool as uh, drifting an RX7. You know, I was telling myself the same thing about the Cadillac, but there's probably a fucking reason they don't. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, we yeah. tell ourselves this all the time. I know. It, rotary lifestyle but i mean i don't know i i like the is it 
Is it a good chassis? Like, or is it like compared to like I don't I don't know if you've driven a two forty. I haven't, so I, I can't compare my car to one. Um, they have an extreme amount of grip. Like they are they are very fast cars. Like they just have a lot of built-in grip in them already. So you don't actually have to work hard to to make them go go fast. So like let's say at the drift league when we were running in the dry i was you know like i was running the 40 psi tire pressure hmm. to try to slow the car down i found yeah and there's espinos yeah and you're and, still rocking those right yeah yeah we're still rocking those we're still you know it's not we haven't got the same tariffs as what the u.s got with all the i think they increased everything this last over the winter or something like that. So it's been harder for, you know, offshore tires in the U S but here, you know, Zestina has been a great company to deal with and, you know, it's been, you know, just a good tire for us. Good quality. You know, it's not the, it's not the greatest one out there. You know, there's probably better ones, but at the price point that they are, it's, uh, you can't beat it. No, I haven't tried them yet. I've heard different things, but well, when I come down, depend on the car. Yeah, no. When I come down, I'll I'll make sure I talk to you first. I'll I'll get you some down there. You can see what they're like. They didn't give me a feedback because I always hear you you're looking and trying to run different tires, and I want you haven't to. tried them. But I don't, they're not even going to be available in the states anyway. So. Uh, from what I hear. From what I, I hear, that someone's trying to get so. them available here. I hope so. I mean, they're a great uh, tire. I wouldn't mind doing something more in the in the U.S. We bring all of our tires down with us anyway, so. Which they have to come back, don't they? <laughs> nope. No. Oh. It's the other way around. If you bring tires into Canada, you got to take them back with you. Going into the states, uh, you guys are you guys have freedom down there. <laughs> it's called freedom. America. Uh, At l- Love it. Yeah. Uh, no, so I, I really do want to try the other tires. Um, I tried Achilles finally. Um, yeah. Un- unfortunately, just some scrubs. The 123S? Yeah. Um, and? I don't know. That made me rethink the setup in my car. They, they I, was got a expecting, lot of tires. I was expecting instant amount of grip. But then again, oh. these were scrubs, so. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. But I'm actually mm. going to. Excuse me. I'm actually going to be changing the location of my tow rod, like to be within yeah. FD legal still. The mounting oh, point. I think. The mounting point right now, is causing me to tow out, under load. Yeah. Um, but if I move it two inches, it looks like I can maybe get it to, either not change tow at all or possibly even tow in under load yeah i think like if you're looking to do uh you know try some tires like even valinos or or achilles reach out to nick in at vegas drift i know he has he knows who carries them or has a hookup on him somehow so you can get them from he's usually got some some he's like he has a connection for everything. He's like, you know, the old school guy that's been around drifting forever. And 
you know, he knows pretty much everybody in the game. So he can usually point you in the right direction to, to try things or give you some suggestions of what's good to try and what isn't, you know, he's talked to everybody and had countless drivers go through his series. So he can tell you, don't waste your time on that or, you know, I actually hit him up for the discipline. Like I'm not going to be able to make it to that round. So yeah. ask him for a credit. And said, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, he's, he's solid dude. Yeah. How I choose to use that credit. Mm-hmm. I haven't really discussed yet. So I'm uh, with, I mean, they, if he has another shootout this off. year, I'd like to just sign up for that one. Okay. Or if this is his only shootout for the year. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. I'd like to see one. I keep telling him, just do one in the fall too, because I know I can't make the May one. Yeah. So well, if you need you know, one, tell him I'm inside on that fall version too, <laughs> as long as it's not the same weekend as the drift league, because I want to do the drift league's fall as well. Oh, okay. He does it around SEMA. I can make it happen. Yeah. But I don't know, I'm sure he's got he's got something on the go. They, I think they just have a, he's in the same situation. I mean, you know, it's not always his choice. The The city shuts him down or the state, whatever it is. Yeah, and, and, and I get it. And he so, actually caught COVID. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if that's right. talked to him, but like when yeah. he was giving everybody no, a phone him. call, um, yeah, to let him know he, like, hey, he, I got canceled, he, sorry. Yeah. Not, not he got canceled, so, I mean, he canceled the event. I thought that was interesting yeah. too. I was like, "Who's calling me from Vegas?" Yeah, well, I mean that's what I mean. He's he, oh, cool. what, what can you do? What can you do if you if you can't make it happen, right? Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't know. But I think I'm gonna call it, sir. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up? Other hey, than well, me being wrong and saying that you compete in Specty. Well, I mean, now I think you guys just said that I was competing and judging, and I was like, "That doesn't even work, man." What's, what's he I talking don't, about? I personally did not yeah, say like, you were competing and judging. I, like, that. I, I said I'm judging. Like, you know, we're not oh. judging from the competency. Otherwise, I would always get the win. I, then I'd win yeah, my that, the conversation happened, but now we're playing a game of telephone because I remember the conversation, and it wasn't about you judging. It was about like the judges giving you the win. I wish. Yeah. I no, know. I mean, when we would, when I'd normally, like, if we had four rounds, I would probably drive in two of the rounds and probably only two of the practices. So I would run in practice and do some tandem with the guys. And then I would, you know, 50% of the time, I'd just sit out the rest of the competition. Just because I was, I liked the tandem aspect and there wasn't a lot of track time available, you know, probably four years ago. I mean, since, since then we have so many of these fun days and, you know, like we got 20 grassroots days. There's so much more driving and so much more, you know, tandem seat time available. So that's it. You know, we all want to drive, drive as hard as we can with our friends and, now, now there just seems to be more opportunity. I think, and that's that's just come from maybe the reputation of the series. You know, we're invited to more tracks and not always looked down upon as you know those drifters who wreck everything. People want us to come because we bring you know nice cars and it's a different different style of driving that is 
catching on more here. Speaking of nice cars, I'm gonna, yes. what, I, what I'll say next is uh, from like my wheel sponsor, um, yeah. outside of that sponsorship, like we're friends in real life. And he's yeah. like, hey, as your friend and as your sponsor, you cannot have a shitty drift car and put my wheels on it. Like he's like, See? it cannot look like trash. No, I, I he's like, I won't I even mean, sell I, to somebody whose car looks like shit. I think our guys, uh, people who drive here, most of them have liveries and nice looking cars. They, we kind of put that in the rules, like the sporting regulations, you know, your car needs to be, Presentable. you know, yeah, one color or, you know, yeah. if it's multicolored to have a purpose for multicolor. Correct. You know, and guys, guys do that. You know, they're representing themselves, especially with the media that that comes out. Um, better your car looks, the more pictures get taken of it, the more it gets seen. And you know, and I don't know. I, I'm still on that same thing. Car looks good. Guys seem to, you know, drive to. They just seem to drive better. I don't know why that is. And that's just maybe what, everyone always disagrees with me, but I think it's true. <laughs> I, I don't know if somebody drives better because their car looks good. Like I've known people who have a good looking no, car I for think, years I think and they still just, are like, trash. I'm, I can probably think of like three examples of people who like maybe just coincidentally their car looked way better one year and they seem to drive like a hundred times better. I don't know why. Or maybe they and just got I more just, media coverage. And no, they just drive better. I, no, oh. These are people I know like from here. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I just think they, they drive better because the car looks better. I don't know. I'm going to hear a, a bunch of this. Tony and I argue about this all the time that he he's, he's probably one of our best grassroots drivers. And his car has been like four colors for two years now. And I give him a hard time. So he, he always says, well, I drive just fine and my car, you know, isn't all liveried up. And I say, well, fair enough. I'll give you that. Yeah. And then I've heard, like, I've, I've had conversations with multiple people, um, especially like with this, this podcast. Like, and it'll always be someone who's like, yeah, I want to be the guy in multicolored T4 who drives the shit out of it. I was like, well, good luck. Yeah, I guess. I don't want to be the guy with a nice-looking drift car who can't drive it either. So, I mean, yeah, me. yeah. fair enough. It's, I get it. So, like, yeah. I'm not putting my, my car on a pedestal that I think it looks the greatest, but I know like it's a good-looking car, and I'm not yeah. the best driver. I don't know. There's a lot of good-looking cars out there. That, uh, yeah, there's also different styles and different tastes. Yeah. But... We can't all drive our X7s, man. That's all I can say. Yeah, there's probably a reason. So, don't forget that. Can't all be back. <laughs> can't all drive Cadillacs either. But, hey, man, uh, I think I'm going to call it. But I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. restrictions release and we get to uh, see each other at an event later this year. And I'll be in my turd and hopefully in an enclosed trailer by then. See? That'd be fun. Yeah, so I sold my life. open trailer. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I see everyone. I watch everything, man. I always, I'm see. keeping up on you. Really? Let's see how this thing works <laughs> out. But uh, thank you for again coming on, for coming on. Gonna do yeah. any sponsor shout outs or any shout out um, in general. You're more than welcome to do so. We got Pulse RV, of course, Sestino Tires, JB's Power Center, iRace Autosport, 
and Rock Auto supports us too. We're all cool. Let's leave it with that. How about Garage Life? Because I need a team. Garage Life is my guy for the U.S. Dan Dan's always got my back, so he's forever. He's always on my Instagram. So yeah. we're, we're, tell him we're, we're, to get back to me. All right, I will. But all right, hey, thank you again. You, you have a good night, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye.